Amen. Well, uh, let's give it up for our lead pastor, Pastor Joe and Pastor Tom, as they come up. Trina, thank you. Thank you, everybody. How are we doing tonight? Good, good, good. We're going to try to finish up this outline that we started a couple of months ago. She's like, sure. So, if you do not have an outline, please raise your hand and we'll make sure that you get one. If you do not have an outline, we need one over here, we need one over there, over here. Keep your hand up, please, so they can see you. You got an extra one there here? Why don't you hand it over to Nicole? You got one, okay. Anybody else over here need an outline? Okay, so the topic we've been on with this outline is the subject of faith. We know that faith is important. Why, why is faith important? Let's hear from some individuals here. Why is faith important to us? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. How, ma- how many want to pl- please God? Good, let's see. Come on, let's see your hands up so we get you up there so when it's time for you to speak, you can put your hand up. Okay. Okay, so, Pastor Tom, do you want to, where are we? We'll start, I'll read the scripture. You want to start in 13, right? James 5, 13. So we go to James, yeah, on your outline it says, it says James 5, 15, but we're going to start in verse 13. You going to read it or am I going to read it? I can read it if you want. All right, go ahead. So we're at James uh, Whoa. 5, wow, that's loud. That's not... that better all right so james 5 13 is anyone among you suffering let him pray is anyone cheerful let him sing psalms is anyone among you sick let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him anointing him with oil in the name of the lord and the prayer of faith will save the sick and the lord will raise him up and if he has committed sins he will be forgiven so we wanted to start in verse 13 to kind of give a context here. Uh, we don't like to just take scriptures and just, because you could take a scripture and prove anything you want when you take it out of context. How many of you realize that? And we have that habit as Christians. I don't know what it is with us. We get our little pet scripture and we settle on that one. But if you don't read what's before it and what's after it, you're not getting the context. So here we're talking about when there's a need. James is writing to the church and he's giving instructions and um, He's saying, when there's somebody that's sick among you. Now, let's go through this step by step, okay? Because we're here to study the word, right? Okay. Now, this side got really strong this time, but that's like, we're, we're here to study the word, right? So let's study the word. Let's go. Let's let it speak to us. Amen? So look at verse 13 again. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Pastor... My family member is, is sick. Pastor, I got a headache. Pastor, I got a hangnail. Pastor, I got a, Pastor, my cat's up in the tree. Pa- now, listen to me. Obviously, we don't mind praying. But sometimes we don't develop, personally, we don't develop our own prayer life because we're depending on somebody else to pray. Amen. And anybody that's in leadership... Our job is to point to Jesus. Amen. 
not to make people dependent on us. Are you listening? I know this, sometimes this can be tough because, you know, when you're in leadership, you want people to like you, you want people to need you, you want, you know, job security. But, but in, as a leader, it's our responsibility. Now, that just doesn't go for us that are in the full-time ministry. Uh, let's put it this way. I was the first one that was born again in our family, okay? So I didn't realize it, but I kind of assumed the responsibility for the rest of the people in my family because... I needed to set an example for them. I needed to to teach them to the capacity that I was able to. You need to do the same thing with your sphere of influence, with the people that God's put in your life, with your family members that are not born again yet. And even if they are born again, it's up to you to disciple them. What is it about us that we pray for somebody to come to Christ, and when they come to Christ, we leave them on their own? He told us to make disciples, not just believers. So this is a perfect example here. Uh, you're the best person to pray for you. But we have this, this thought process of, no, well, this pastor or Pastor Beth or Pastor Tom or Pastor Jerry or Pastor Joy, they have a special in with God. No. No. You'll learn how to pray for you. And, uh, and uh, besides that, you're the one that has the most authority in your life. You're the one that can speak to your flesh. You're the one that can speak to the elements in your body. You're the one that can speak to your, your bank book. You're the one that can speak to, to situations that might be coming against your family. You have more authority in those areas than we do. With us, it's third hand. With you, it's first hand. So here's the instruction right here. This is the Holy Spirit did just put this in here to fill up the words. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Are you listening? This is personal between each one of us and our Lord and our Savior. Let me put it to you this way. Don't create a hierarchy where there's supposed to be a partnership. Now, there's times, there's times when it's too overwhelming. And you need others to pray with you. And, and it covers that in this book here. It covers it all throughout the New Testament. Bear each other's burdens, carry each other's burdens, and thus fulfill that royal law of love. Pray for one another. Pray in agreement with one another. But here specifically it's saying, if anyone's, is anyone suffering, let him pray. If he's happy, let him sing. It's funny how in all these years of ministry, we get way more prayer requests than we get victory reports. I'll say it again because it didn't sink in. We get way more prayer requests than we ever get victory reports. And how many times, I don't know if this happened to you, Pastor Tom, or any of our leaders here, like we'll pray with somebody and then you follow up with them a few weeks later or a month later. How, how did that say, oh yeah, well, I was taking care of the next day. Why didn't you call us? Why didn't you tell us? So that we could rejoice with you. Plus, it encourages our hearts when we see the congregation being blessed. And we know that your prayers are being answered. Amen? Praise God. So let's go back to this and let's, let's do it in context now. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. 
Is anyone among you, among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. See, now here's the instruction. Call for the elders of the church, okay? And let them pray over him or her, obviously. Anointing him with oil. Now, understand, that's one way of ministering healing, okay? But the most predominant way of ministering healing that we see in Jesus' ministry is what? Lift your hand up. Lift your hand up if you're going to say something. Don? That's one of the ways, but what do we see the most predominant way in Jesus' ministry? Laying hands. Laying hands. We see that more and more uh, in Jesus' ministry. And we see it more and more in the church. I think there's something therapeutic. I think there's something, but we also know that it's a point of contact, right? Okay, because it's not the person that's laying hands on you. It's, it's the power of the Holy Spirit working through that person that's ob- being obedient to the command that Jesus gave us. And this past weekend, many of you were here this past weekend. We had all the campuses together. You know, we were all here worshiping. And in every service, uh, we opened up the opportunity for people to come up to receive healing. Uh, most of the time, most of the time, it was laying on of hands. Because that's what most people are, are very used to and comfortable with. But there are times when we should just speak to the situation, speak to the condition. Amen? Because Jesus did both. He did both. So it's just instructions here to the church how to administer healing. Now, it goes on to say in verse 15, which is the verse that's in our, in our outline. And the prayer of faith. Say that, with, say that with me. And the prayer of what? Faith. Prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise them up. Amen. And if he has committed any sins, it would be forgiven. Amen. Now, I don't want to get off here, but here's another instance where sin and sickness are connected. Why, why would the Holy Spirit bring in this connection? To say, and if he's committed any sins, the sins will be forgiven him. Where do we see, and I don't throw a lot of stuff at you here tonight, and just think about this before you answer. Where do we see a connection between sin and sickness in Jesus' ministry? Pastor Joy? Right. I'll say it because everybody can't hear you. Um, in the Gospels, we see this incident that was recorded for us where these four friends took their paralyzed friend. You remember they carried him on a mat. They went up on the rooftop. They parted the the roof. You know, obviously it wasn't shingles. It was thatch and straw. And they lowered him because they knew Jesus was in the house, right? And what was Jesus' first response to this man? Your son, your sins have been forgiven. And all the religious people went crazy in the house. What does he mean? Only God has the ability to forgive sins. And Jesus probably went, yeah, you're right. Guess who I am? But you see, Jesus made a connection between sin and sickness. He didn't say to the man, be healed. He, later on, he said, which is easier for you? You're healed, get up and carry your bed and go home, or your sins are forgiven. And he was making a direct connection. Okay, now listen to me clearly. You'll go out of here and say, Pastor Joe teaches that every time somebody's sick, it's because they sinned. That's not what Jesus was saying. Jesus was acknowledging that because sin came into the world, 
sickness and disease had permission to come in with sin. So, so, I hate to say it this way. I'm not suggesting or minimizing it. So theoretically, or I should say, really not theoretically, in principle, when our sins are forgiven, then sickness and disease does not have a legal right on our bodies any longer. You got it? What he was saying was, hey, I'm I'm dealing with the root here. I'm not dealing with the paralysis. I'm dealing with the root that caused the paralysis. Son, your sins are forgiven you. Did he receive his healing? 100%. So I believe James is, is, he's making the same connection here. I remember years ago, I was reading a book. I I know I'm getting off on some stuff here, but. How many have ever heard, and if you haven't heard, you need to go look up this man's name and go study his life. How many of you know who John G. Lake was? Too many of you don't. Go study his life, okay? He was ministering to an individual one time. Person had out-of-control diabetes, out-of-control diabetes. And he's ministering to the person, and he's praying with him. And he says to the person, as I'm praying for you, I keep hearing this $15,000 figure. What is that all about? Because this man had been prayed by other people and wasn't getting healed. I don't remember if it was 15000 or 5000 I believe it was fifteen, which was a lot of money back in the early 1900s. Okay? And so the man, you know, he said, well, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Uh, my brother and I were partners in business. And when he died, I took advantage of his widow and took $15,000 out of the business. And he said to him, will you make good on this? He said, absolutely. He said, all right, let's pray. He prayed, got instantly healed. So what blocked the healing? The sin. So when the sin was dealt with, then that sickness, and sometimes sickness is a spirit, not all the time, but we know that all sickness comes from sin. I'm not saying the person that's sick sin. The thing that permitted sickness and disease to come into the human experience was sin to begin with. Amen? Amen. So we see that. So, so, so the prayer of faith will save the sick, the Lord will raise them up, and if he's committed any sins, he'll be forgiven. You want to say something? Oh yeah, I just want to add two things with that. Just two quick things, but if I was thinking of a scripture in Luke, because I had studied this out for a while in the Greek, this scripture, Luke 4.38, But it says, now he arose from the synagogue and entered Simon. You don't have to put it up on the screen, but I'll just read it to you. I just want to bring out one point. And it says in Luke 4.38, it says, now he arose from the synagogue and entered Simon's house. But Simon's wife's mother was sick with a high fever, and they made request of him concerning her. That was Jesus. So he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her, and immediately she arose and served him. That word left, if you look it up, it actually has the same connotation of being forgiven of sins. Like, yeah, it, it actually is, has the, the connotation of being severed. Because when you look up the word forgiveness, it speaks of, you know, expiring or going from one place to another. And it almost even speaks of, like, of a divorce where two people are separated, obviously. But that word is, is the same word for forgiveness when it says that fever left her, just like we've been, obviously, um, sin is... You know, we're no longer 
sin nature, it's the same concept of that, if that makes sense when you look that up in the Greek. So, yeah. Release. So, yeah, it's, it's like a, a release. Yeah. It's like being released from that. And then the second thing I just wanted to add, and this kind of jumped in me when Pastor was talking, and I were talking about living by faith, you know, the prayer of faith, you're going to have somebody pray for you when you're, you know, when, you're, when you have a need in your life. Maybe Pastor talked about something where you can't take it anymore and you have to come up and get prayer, but I just want to encourage us, speaking to myself and all of us, we are people of faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. And when you... We talk about a lifestyle of love and a lifestyle of evangelism. We should be living a lifestyle of faith. Everything about our lives should yeah. be walking by faith. So I just want to encourage you, if you have just a little headache or a little thing, oh, I could tolerate that. No, believe God in the little things, amen? Start with those little things. No, I'm not going to tolerate this. This has no place in my body, whatever it is. And I think when we walk in faith in, in those little things, that builds our faith up and we get stronger in that. But anyway, I just want to encourage us to live a lifestyle of faith. We are people of faith. That's the way we live. And everything about our lives should, should um, just overflow with faith. Amen? Well, it should be a natural thing because how do we come into this relationship? By faith. We talked about this last week. Okay? God makes the grace available. We don't have grace in us. We have faith. He has grace. When we release our faith, then we take hold of the grace that he's made available to us. You guys realize that, right? That's the mechanics of how the, how the kingdom of God operates. Jesus was always looking for faith in the people that he was going to minister to. Paul was looking for faith in the people that he ministered to. Why? Because it's the economy of the kingdom. That's how it operates. You and I would not be sitting here as believers if we did not first release that seed of faith that was placed inside of all of us. Remember the Bible in the book of Romans that tells us that each one has received the measure of faith? Okay, I think we talked about this either last week or the week before. That, that seed of faith, I, I believe anyway, is I would think would be the faith that you and I need to receive Christ. Amen. But we don't stop there. We don't come into the kingdom by faith and just say, well, you know, God's a sovereign God, whatever he wants. Want. Well, if God was a sovereign God and he was going to get his way all the way all the time, there'd be nobody in hell. Amen. So it doesn't only happen because God is a sovereign God. He is a sovereign God, but he wants us, because we are co-laborers together with him, we are co-heirs together with Christ, he wants us involved with him. Let me ask you this question. Isn't it a blessing when God uses you to, to affect somebody else's life? How many have had that opportunity? Isn't it a blessing when you know, man, God, God used me to touch this person's life. God used me to pray for this person and got healed. God used me to, to, to tell this person about Jesus and they received Christ. Isn't that, doesn't, that, doesn't that make you just get charged up? Well, don't you think God knows that? So if he was going to do everything by himself, would we ever experience any of that? No, of course not. We're his people on earth. We're his ambassadors, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. An ambassador conducts business on behalf of the kingdom that he represents. He gets to enjoy the benefits of the kingdom that he represents. He doesn't get affected by the nation that he's assigned to. Amen. 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 Go to James chapter 1 because this is a real important one because this one here, probably many times throughout the day, we're going to be able to use our faith for this one. James chapter 1, starting in verse 5. I'm just going to start with the first phrase. If anyone lacks wisdom... Does that cover any of us in here tonight? 
Have you ever been in a situation, maybe even today, where you lacked wisdom? Let me see your hand. Let me see. The rest of you didn't get out of bed this morning. How many of you lacked the wisdom at some point today, yesterday, this week? Okay. So this one could work for all of us. Amen? Amen. So watch this now. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. It doesn't say go call three friends. It doesn't say Google it. It doesn't say go on YouTube. What does it say? Let him ask of God, who gives to all once in a while and with an eyedropper. What does it say? Gives to all liberally and without reproach. He's never going to say, I told you so. I told you so. I told you so. And what happens when we ask him in faith? Who gives to all liberty without reproach, and it will be given him to him. Amen? Amen. Can't tell you how many times in my own personal life, in the life of the ministry, when I was in my own business, that I depended on this scripture. We could sit here all night and talk about these things in every one of our lives. Yet, most of the time, we don't go to this until we've exhausted all of our human efforts. And then we go, oh, wait a minute. Let me go see what the word says. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally, 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 and without reproach. He's not hiding stuff from us. He doesn't play mind games. He doesn't go, hey, I got the answer, but I'm not going to give it to you. (laughs) Verse 6 is the qualifier. But let him ask how? In faith, with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. By the wind. You could say it this way, by circumstances. Don't let your faith get driven by circumstances. Don't let it get defeated by circumstances. Well, Pastor, you know, if it was a little thing, I could kind of try to go to God, but this is a big one. Now, now look, okay, here's a perfect example again of what I've been speaking about lately. We have this tendency. To not understand how much God wants to be involved in our lives. We want to keep him from Wednesday night. For maybe Saturday night. Sunday morning, or maybe when there's a crisis. But he wants to be involved in our everyday lives. Now, when we ask God for wisdom, who do you think is responding to us to teach us, to instruct us, to direct us, to lead us on a path in which we should go? So this all comes back to the same thing. If the church doesn't develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit, we cut ourselves off from hearing from Christ, who's the head of the church, I mean, I don't know how a ministry can operate without having a relationship with the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is the administrator on earth. Jesus is the head of the church in heaven. I don't know how a Christian businessman can operate without having a relationship with the Holy Spirit because you're trying to operate in a system on a planet, number one, that's cursed, number two, in a system that is not created for you to prosper. It's created for you to be enslaved. Okay? So if you don't have, how churches function that claim, well, the Holy Spirit doesn't operate today like he used to, oh my God, 
then what the heck are you, what are you teaching? What are you doing? What are you, what, how are you reaching people? He is the administrator of the church. And he's not only called the Holy Spirit, but he's also called the Spirit of Wisdom. So all the wisdom of God, the way he transfers it to us and relates it to us is through the Holy Spirit. That who should be centered, and we should be centered and focused on our relationship with the Holy Spirit. He's with you always. Do you understand? That's how Jesus fulfilled that promise when he said, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. Jesus left. He ascended into heaven, yes or no? Rose from the dead, 40 days later, ascended into heaven. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. He's not here on earth. Amen. Who's here on earth? Holy I'm going to keep drilling that because that's we need to be in relationship with the Holy Spirit, especially now. Especially now. We're living in perilous times. Now, I think about it. you ever think about this? When Paul wrote that, living in perilous times, he was living in, in perilous times. But he said, in the, in the end days, it's going to be way worse than this. Any questions, any comments, any observations, any, anything? George, wait, wait, wait for the mic to come, please. No, just, just real simply, how wisdom was present at creation. So it's like weaved into the DNA of the universe. We just need to ask him for it. Yeah. He's the source of all wisdom. Anybody else? Somebody else had their hand up? All right. We can move on to the next scripture then. You want to say something? Yeah, I just want to add one thing. I can't, I, I can't seem to get away from this lately on this one thing where it says, um, if any of you lacks wisdom, right, Speaking of us, let him ask of who? Him, God, right? So the focus is God. But then the next thing, which needs to be our foundation we're asking God, is his character, who what? Gives to all liberally and without reproach. And this week, we're, we're, I don't know if we're going to get to the scripture at the end, but where it talks about in Mark 11, 23, and 24, that's one of our last scriptures, which, whether we get to it or not tonight, I don't know. But one thing in relation to this I was just driving down the street and just something really jumped in me that one, you know, Mark 11, 23, 24, where it talks about, you know, if you, any man say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, doesn't doubt in his heart, but believes what he said will come to pass and whatever you stand praying, believe that you receive and will be yours. Well, that's a, a verse that I've really been just, man, hanging on to. Sometimes I'll just take out my Bible before I pray with somebody and just say, let's stand on this as a foundation, believing and receiving. But one of the things that really stuck out to me this week while I was driving is the verse before the word says, have faith in God. Not in our faith, not in the fact that I feel good today or I'm built up today. I read it 15 scriptures. Now I'm not saying that's not important. And I, like we said before, you know, using our faith in the little things, we build our faith. But man, that just jumped in me. Have faith in who? In him, in his character, who what gives liberally without reproach. And right after I heard that, that verse I had put in a CD by Joseph Prince, and he was talking about that exact same thing about our faith sometimes is so focused on our faith and building our faith and how many scriptures you read. No, he said, have faith in God. That should be our focus, having faith in a person, 
and that person's character and his word, that he's a person of his word, right? That he can't go back on his word. So to me, that just, so I just want to encourage you that ju that jumped in me so much, that statement, have faith in God. Amen? I, I think we should probably go there then to Mark chapter 11. And then we'll backtrack. We're going backwards. Well, that's all right. We're covering what we, what we feel hey, like. We're actually done. We got to the last scripture. All right. All right. See, Pastor, we said we finished tonight. That's the last scripture on the outline. All right. So, Mark, let's put some context here. Mark chapter 11 starts out with really what we're going to be celebrating this weekend, the triumphal entry, okay? We call it Palm Sunday. So that Sunday, he enters into Jerusalem. He goes into the temple compound. It's late in the day. He turns around, goes back out again. The next morning, he comes out, going back into the temple area to teach, okay? So on, on let's say Monday, let's say Palm Sunday actually happened on a Sunday, which I don't really know for sure. So that Monday, Jesus goes back into the temple compound. He's hungry. He sees a fig tree. He's expecting to find fruit on it. Doesn't find any fruit. Curses the fig tree. Now, we don't have a lot of time to go into this. You say, well, you know, who does stuff like that? Who talks to a tree? Yeah. But understand this, okay? What he was doing was extremely symbolic and extremely prophetic. Because a fig tree is almost always associated with the nation of Israel, okay? Two, two strong symbols that we see through the scriptures when it comes to the nation of Israel is number one, the palm tree, which we're gonna talk about Sunday. Number two is the fig tree, okay? So what he's basically doing here, he's sending the message to the disciples like, by the end of this week, Judaism is done with. It's finished. Not gonna produce fruit anymore. Because after, after he goes to the cross, the sacrificial system is done. It's over with. All the sacrifices from the Old Testament pointed to Good Friday. Amen. Okay? You remember in Exodus in chapter 12, God gave instructions to Moses for Passover to choose a lamb. And then when Jesus is walking down the road, John the Baptist says, here is the lamb of God to takes away the sins of the world. So he's basic, he's cursing his fig tree. And it's, it's for a couple of different lessons. But understand this. Now, I'm not saying he cursed Judaism. What he was doing was this, because the tree dries up from the roots. We're going to see that. The system is over with. In other words, he's saying Genesis chapter 3 has been fulfilled. I'm here. I'm going to crush the serpent's head. He's going to bruise my heel, but I'm going to crush his head. The promises that God made to Abraham are being fulfilled by the end of this week. Well, okay, before Jesus returns to heaven, all of the promises to Abraham as they pertain to spiritual promises will become fulfilled. Because Galatians tells us that the promise is unto us now, or children of Abraham. He's talking about the promise of the Spirit. Okay? So understand that. So we can go to the rest of the context. You get it? What does the fig tree represent? Israel. Israel. Okay. So that's Monday morning. He curses the fig tree. Tuesday morning, they come back to the same spot. Look at this, verse 20. Now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. 
Because Jesus and God doesn't deal with fruit. He deals with roots. We come to him with our fruit, and we hide our roots. You getting this? We want, him to, we want him to deal with the outside, the addiction, the alcoholism, the gambling, the sex addiction, the whatever, whatever thing that, that it keep, we keep stumbling with. And God's going, no, 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 forget about that. Push that aside. I want to get to the root. He deals with roots. So when, if you're going to pray for yourself, you're going to pray for somebody, pray, Father, I pray that the roots be exposed. Amen. So that the thing that's producing the fruit dries up. See, we deal with cyclical sin, cyclical cycles of addiction because we're not getting to the roots. We're only paying attention to their fruit. Look at the conduct. Look at this. Look what the person did. Look where they're going. Look at the condition of their life. Nobody wakes up in the morning and says, well, I'm going to become a sexual molester, a child molester. Nobody wakes up and says, I'm going to become an alcoholic this week. That's going to be my accomplishment or a drug addict. No, there's a root there that's causing that. You got it? All right, so let's go. So now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots, and Peter remembering, remembering what? Remembering what happened the day before. Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you curse has withered away. I don't care what kind of chemical you would have thrown on the bottom of that tree. There's no way possible that within 24 hours it would have been completely withered. This is a supernatural thing that's taking place here. And Jesus doesn't do supernatural things for no reason at all. The devil tried to get him to turn stones into bread. No, I don't play those games. When he does something supernatural, there's a lesson behind it, okay? Now watch this now. So what's Jesus' response to Peter? Verse 22, so Jesus answered and said to them, come on, have faith in God. Now some people will say, and, and I agree with them, that this translation could be interpreted as have the same kind of faith that God has. Amen. Now, what affected the, the fig tree? What did Jesus do that affected the fig tree? He spoke to it, right? He cursed it with words, right? Nobody's ever going to eat fruit from you again. Okay? He used words. How did God create the universe? Words. words. How did you get born again? Words. words. How are you going to receive any miracle from God? Words. You see what he's saying here? You getting this? Now you know why faith is so important? And that's why it pleases God when we operate in faith. Why? Because we're doing what daddy does. So, verse 23. For surely I say to you, whoever... Come on. Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not what? Doubt in his heart, but believes the things he says will be done. He will have whatsoever he says. So, so far in this verse, three times the word says appears. You, you think he's trying to tell us something? Amen. Verse 24, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Let's stop right there because the conversation doesn't stop. But for this sake, let's stop right there. Now, when I first got born again 38 years ago, it was right in the middle of the Word of Faith movement. Okay, for those of you that don't know what that, what that means, it was a movement that God started through a group of individuals that was basically teaching, put your confidence in the Word of God. Not in man's traditions, not in, 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 in other things that are man-made, 
but it stressed and still does the confidence we can have when we speak what God says. Amen? Amen. Okay, remember, side note, how did Jesus defeat the devil in the wilderness? What did he say? It is written, and then spoke what was written. He didn't say to the devil, go away, Mr. Devil. I cast you out, Mr. Devil. He said, it is written. He spoke the word. You listening? So, when I got born again, there were some people that might not have had the teaching 100%. We're going around saying, well, you need to just keep saying it and keep saying it and keep saying it and keep saying it till it comes to pass. No, that's not what he's saying. You can say it a million times. If you don't have any faith in your heart, it doesn't matter how many times you... You listening to me? Let's go through it again. For sure, I said, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart but believes that those things he says will be done, he'll have whatever he says. Now, let me ask you a question. When do you do the believing? After you pray or before you pray? Before, before you pray. In other words, you say, do your homework first. Get that promise deep in your heart that you know, that you know, that you know that there's no way possible that this is not going to come to pass because God said it. Then you speak it and it comes to pass. Amen. There's too many people, well, you know, this stuff doesn't work. Yeah, it doesn't work because you're not doing your homework. Well, I said, the, I said that scripture 10,000 times. Got it on my refrigerator. Put it in my car, in the visor. Every time I look at it, I say that thing. What good is it? If there's no, if there's no faith in your heart, it's not coming to pass. You got this? God is not responding because of how many times you're saying it. He's responding to the faith that's already in your heart. You got born again because you were convinced that what the scripture said about the Lord Jesus Christ was true, that he was the son of God, that he died on the cross for our sins, that he rose from the dead. So now you're convinced in your heart. Now you confess that Jesus is Lord. Now that'll answer some people's question. Well, how come some people say the prayer and their life doesn't change? Because they just said a prayer. They didn't do it out of a heart of faith. Because where does faith originate? In the heart, according to Romans. You want to say something? Yeah, I know. I see like you're chomping at the no. bit over here. Go ahead. It's okay. He's Come on, let's do. We only got. Oh no, but no, because one thing that he's it's really um, jumping in me is what you're saying about the heart, right? The Bible says, um, "Guard your heart uh, from this flow of the issues of like you know." Pastor Rick, years back, Pastor Rick, I think like remember we were doing those midweeks online. I think you did a whole series on guarding your heart and um, guard, guarding. The Bible says. Guard your heart for from that flow the issues of life. So one of the biggest things we could do for ourselves by protecting our faith is, is and building our faith is guarding our heart because it's this simple. We could talk about mechanics and confessions in this. When you believe something in your heart, it's natural. It just happens. And when you believe it, it says, I, I, I believe, therefore I speak. When you believe something, you're naturally going to speak it. When you believe something, just like the woman with the issue of blood, we talked about it last week. She had faith. And man, that her faith was activated. She pressed through the crowd. She spoke because yeah, of she her spoke. faith. Exactly. And it was in her heart. So when you get something in your heart, I don't care if you pray a six-line prayer or if you just say, Jesus, you're saved. Why? Because there's heart faith. And it's, it's a matter of the heart. So we need to feed our faith in our heart, build our faith in our heart. Because the thing that this verse turns on is, when, therefore, 
whatever, when you pray, right, it says, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe no, read the verse before. that you receive. Read the verse before. Oh, he says. It's going to confirm what you're just saying. It says, oh, yeah. There, most assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be casting, and does not doubt in his heart. And does not what? Doubt in his heart. Doubt where? In his heart. So one thing so, we got to do is keep doubt out of our heart. Yeah, so, so one of the things we have to guard our heart is, is, like he's saying, protect our hearts. So I believe that's the thing we need to be conscious of, in a sense, attack, so to speak, or keep filled up, is, is, is our heart with belief. Does that make sense? Because that's where it all turns. Because when you believe it, everything else is going to fall in line, right? Amen? Now you see why faith is so important. Not only is it impossible to please God, but it's impossible to get anything done. So what does the enemy always attack? Our faith. What did he attack with Eve? Oh, did God really say? Guard your faith. Feed your faith. Build your, concentrate on your faith. Okay? What is it going to do? It's going to please God. It's going to prepare you for the second coming. Because Jesus said when the Son of Man comes, will he find what? Faith on the earth. And as these days continue to go darker and darker, we're going to need the faith. We're going to need faith. We're going to need, see, if you're, not, if, you're not, if you're not saturating yourself with the promises of God, which will produce faith, then you only have one thing left, yourself. And you'll be putting, not only you'll be putting pressure on yourself, you'll be putting pressure on people instead of putting pressure on the word. You'll be looking at people to get your needs met. I taught this message, oh my gosh, we were at the high school. 2001, 2002. I'm gonna say it, I hope I don't offend anybody. My message was don't make your children prostitutes. I got everybody's attention. And what I taught was this. When you don't teach your children the principles of tithing and the principles of how the financial uh, kingdom works in, in God's kingdom, you're going to turn them into prostitutes. What do you mean? Are they actually going to sell their bodies? No, no, no. But they'll be forced to become whatever anybody wants them to become so they get their needs met. So you become a people pleaser. You listening? You become whatever. A girl will become whatever the guy wants because he's got a nice car, he's got money, he's got unlimited possibilities. That doesn't honor God, does it? But when we, see, when we learn the principles, then we don't have to depend on people. You listening to me? We don't have to depend on people. We depend on God. Because where he guides, he provides. You got this? Yes. Any questions? Come on with the questions because I'm going to wrap this up quick. Don't grab me in the lobby and go, you know, I wanted to ask this question, but. Oh, Gina. Pastor Joe, I don't have a question, but I have, I have a comment. A, te oh. <laughs> a testimony, if that's okay. I'm sorry? I have a testimony, if that's okay. Please. Um, I have been sick for over a year, but I didn't tell anyone. The reason I didn't tell anyone is because I didn't want them to speak negative over me. So I went to the doctor a few months ago, and I went a couple of times. And I, it was getting worse and worse to the point where I couldn't even stand really well. Cece knows. I was in pain all the time. My legs, my shoulders. Finally, 
I went to the doctor again and again and again, and last time I said, if you don't have an answer for me, I'm going somewhere else. In the meantime, nobody knows about this. The only reason Cece knows And Cece, you didn't tell us? No. So we could pray? She, get, she takes an EKG. She said, I don't like the fact that you're, you're in pain sitting there. And she could see it. I'm winded. Like, to walk from the back door to here, I would have been totally winded. Wow. Well, it was a negative report about my heart. And she said, you need to go for an echocardiogram. And I said, I can't go. I'm going to Missouri. I'm going to see my son. Well, you need to get the blah, blah, blah. I, I'm not going. I'll go when I come back. When's that? Three weeks. I, I, I said, I'm believing for a miracle. Amen. I went to Missouri. And the first Sunday morning, I'm kneeling down at the, the altar where, where my son pastors. And the Lord spoke to me and said, tell Nikki, my son, about your heart and let him pray for you. So I got up, and he was standing right behind me. And I told him he prayed for me with my daughter-in-law. For those three weeks I was there, I was sick. It seemed like it was getting worse and worse. I was losing strength, wasn't sleeping, packing on the pounds. And, and my legs, I, I, it was just unbelievable. I was walking up the stairs on fours, my hands and my knees, my feet. And so I come home. As Soon as I flew in, I, I was sick. I was very sick. I was in bed for three days. I was scheduled to go to a women's uh, conference that weekend. So I said, um, I'm gonna take a COVID test. And if it's not COVID, then I'm going. It wasn't COVID, I went. My daughter was on the phone on the way there. And she's going, you need to be home in bed. I said, listen to me, God is moving all over this world right now. There is no reason that he can't move at this conference. I said, I'm going there for one reason, and that's to be healed. Amen. So I get there. Nobody knows. I could barely walk into the church because you have to drive far, uh, park far. And I knew I'd be winded. But I put my hand on my chest, and I said, God, I know what's wrong with me, but you're my father. Amen. And I'm trusting you, and that's the only reason I'm here. Cece's heard this conversation. Anyway, Friday night, nothing happened. Saturday morning before I got out of the van, I said, this is it, Lord. You're my father. You are my father. And I'm believing for you to heal my heart. And I got there that Saturday morning. Worship was going. And I gave a message in interpretation in tongues when it was over. But the power, the force that was coming out, I felt it. I felt the power. It was so loud. There were 900 women there, and I think everyone in that auditorium heard it because it sounded like a PA system. And, and other people have said it since. But now, there's a separation between spirit and flesh mm. because something happened that never happened to me before. As I'm giving a message in tongues, I'm talking to myself. And I'm saying, how are you doing this? And I'm, I'm bursting out in tongues, and I, I'm saying, how are you doing this? I haven't been able to sing in a year. I've been winded for everything. It's all over. Message is given. I realize I can take a deep breath. I haven't been able to take a deep breath in a year. And I said, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm not in any pain. And my calves started shaking. And I was weeping like crazy. And I said, God, you healed me. Hallelujah. And he immediately said to me, Go up and tell them what I've done for you. Without even thinking. 
I went up, I said, Andrea, can I give a, a testimony from one minute? And she said, yeah, I gave a testimony about 30 seconds. Pandemonium broke out all over. I mean, Lord hit all 900 women. They were on the floor. Praise I God. To, then I come home. Now listen, and this is the reason why I'm sharing this. I come home from, from the conference. I'm, I'm fine. My heart, I know I'm healed. I am healed. But I was so tired, I laid down, I fell asleep, in and out of sleep. And I, I wasn't feeling good at all. I checked my temperature, and it was 99 point something, 100 point something, 101 point something. When it was almost 102, my head was not feeling right. It wasn't in pain, it wasn't throbbing. I don't know how to explain it, it just wasn't right. My eyes were burning, and they were hurting bad. And I said, Lord, you've given me wisdom. I'm going to the emergency room, but it's not my heart. You healed my heart. I know you healed my heart. So I don't know what's going on in this body, but I'm believing this is not my heart. I get to the hospital, and I must have really looked bad because they immediately took me. My, my, my um, blood pressure was in the high twos. I should have had a stroke. They immediately took me right in. I didn't wait for anyone. Gave me medicine, a double breathing treatment. They used three different cuffs on my arm because they said these cuffs must be broken. It was actually 299. Oh I didn't God. know that was humanly possible. I, did, I had to Google it, I didn't know. Um, anyway, <laughs> so they took all these tests. Bless you. Blood, blood work, all this stuff, another EKG, chest X-ray. All this stuff, I'm sitting there, and while I'm laying in that, on that gurney, I just said, you are my father. Nobody knows. Nobody even knew I was sick, just me. I said, you are my father, and you healed me, and I know you healed me. I don't know what's going on in this body, but I know you healed me. Let that EKG come back, and it's not gonna have anything on it. Now, over a month ago, it was. It was something with my left ventricle. So. Doctor comes, uh, the nurse, okay, everything's good, all your tests. I said, what about the EKG? He said, well, we have to wait for the doctor. That takes a while. The lab takes a while. All right, he comes in. All right, you're good to go home. This was the doctor. I says, well, what about the EKG? He said, yeah, it came back. It's good. I said, wait a minute. So there's nothing on the EKG? And he said, oh, no, it's perfectly fine. You're good to go home. <laughs> so I said to him, so what's going on here? Why am I like this? And he says, oh, you have nothing to worry about. You have a virus in your system. We're gonna give you medicine. I'm gonna give you a couple prescriptions. We'll knock it out. It's not contagious. You're okay. Now, why I wanted to share that? Number one, I didn't want anybody speaking negative over me. I knew my God. Amen. I know I have a purpose. I know I have a vision. So I'm not dying. Amen. I don't care what a test said. I know what God said. So when you have faith, you've got to be careful who you speak to. Amen. Second thing is, I'm praising God for a virus. Because if I didn't have that virus, I never would have went to the hospital. And if I did not go to the hospital, never would have been confirmed on the very day that God healed me that that was completely healed by a doctor. So Praise your God. faith... You've got to speak it. Well, let's, you have let's, to know let's believe it. next time he'll send you an angel. Then <laughs> you won't have to get a virus. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah.
So, any last questions? Any last observations? Please. I just wanted to encourage everyone, um, <coughs> as we're talking and sharing, uh, to just, you know, start with anything in your life. Because sometimes, you know, I think about, like, our kids, things that happen with our kids, and or areas that we see lack, and we don't really put, we don't really exercise our faith and stand on the promises of God, and we just live with it and deal with it. And I remember uh, about a year and a half ago, we were doing, or a year ago, we were doing a sisterhood event and we were having a major lack with okay. volunteers. And I remember I said to the team, we were looking, and every time we looked at MSP, because if, you, if you've ever been over an event, it's like you'll look at MSP every day. Okay, I'm looking at MSP, but I see all these empty slots and no one's slotting themselves in. And I remember undergirding, um, Catherine was over the hospitality that, for that event, and I encouraged our women for the sisterhood team and Catherine, I said, we are going to go into MSP. We got together on a Zoom call and we pulled MSP up and we began to exercise our faith and release our faith that we said, Lord, we know that you, we will not lack in this, that you will bring in who needs to be here to undergird the vision for this event that we had. And we, we just agreed over that. We released our faith over that. And we began to see women slot themselves in. The volunteers were there. We had everything we need. I said that just to encourage you because sometimes in the everyday little things, we're not sitting there in our job saying, you know what? I can, I can release my faith. I can stand on the promises of God for this thing or for my children or for whatever it is or whatever area that you see lacking. You need to release your faith or, faith or build up your faith. So I just wanted to encourage you to just be um, aware of that and ask the Holy Spirit to, to quicken you when those things happen, to be like, wait a minute, God has a promise here for this, and I'm going without, and it could be the simplest little thing. So I just wanted to encourage people in that. Amen. Thank you. Um, just as we're sitting here, I just wrote a little note to Pastor Tom here because I didn't want to interrupt that. I just sense the anointing. I sense the anointing stronger, yeah. Um, but it's not, it's not, to pray for the sick or anything like that. Last week we did that. I sense the anointing for us to pray. There's three major things I want us to pray about. If you have to leave, please be very respectful. God bless you. If you've got to pick your kids up, or I think the youth are probably still meeting, so I don't think that's a concern. Number one thing we want to pray for tonight, and we're going to, if you could stay 10, 15 minutes, because when you're in that, you, can, it does, you don't have to pray six hours, okay? We're going to pray for the youth conference this, this weekend, okay? We're believing God for at least 100 teenagers to participate. Uh, number two, um, I want us to pray for the move of God. Again, that's sweeping across this nation. Number three, I want us to pray for this nation. I have a lot more details for us this weekend coming up. But there's something going on that we need to pray about. So if you can, if you're willing to stay, um, just come up, stand up, come up to the front. If you need to be released, you need to go, please go. Now, if you do need prayer for anything, um, Pastor Jerry, uh, Pastor Carol, Pastor Joya, could, could you make yourselves available um, maybe in the back? If, if anybody needs prayer for anything in, in your own life or in your physical body, they'll be back there. You can go back there and get prayed for. Those of you that want to join us and pray, 
uh, for the next 10, 15 minutes. Let, let's, let's do that. Let's pray.